Well, good morning, Bell Shoals family. My name is Corey Abney. I serve as a lead pastor here. And I just want to add my congratulations to our graduates and their families today. What a special day here in the life of our faith family. And uh, what an encouraging day to see uh, such a small army of graduates aimed at impacting our world for King Jesus in the years to come. And I'm so grateful for our student ministry, our next gen team that works so hard with our children, our students to encourage them and be a blessing to them. And uh, we truly are grateful to be a part of a mission and a movement that's changing the world. And over the past few weeks, we've been in a teaching series called Bad Advice, where we've been looking at different pieces of bad advice that come out of our society. And today we're gonna talk about a piece of bad advice that I think relates to our students, uh, our young professionals, our young marrieds, our new parents in the room, and even those of us who have been married a while. It's a a piece of, of, of advice that you might hear especially those of you who are heading into college or career, the the advice, at least I've heard in the past, is that life begins when you get married. Now, some of you are thinking, no, life ends when you get married. But if you're not yet married or you're waiting to be married, uh, you may hear that. Well, life Life begins when you get married. And there's one place we get this piece of advice from. You may have heard of this guy. His name is Tom Cruise. And old Tom was in a movie years ago called Jerry Maguire. And toward the end of this movie where Tom Cruise is in this relationship with Renee Zellweger and it, you know, it's kind of off and on and it's off. And then at the end of the movie, he, he burst into a room where she's hanging out with some of her lady friends. And he, he, he looks at her as only Tom Cruise can do with this incredible look and longing. And he, he says, I love you. And you all know what's coming next, right? You complete me. Some of you right now are tearing up. (laughs) And remember, Renee Zellweger looks at him and she says, just shut up. She says, you had me at hello. And they embrace and you think, yes, that's when life begins when Tom Cruise looks at you. Cause ladies, don't even lie. I know some of you, when you watch Jerry Maguire, you picture Tom Cruise saying that to you, right? Life begins when, when, when you meet that person, when you begin your life together, that, that's when you really start to live. Because in our society, there, there is somewhat of an understanding that, that completeness relates to companionship. And you can't really be complete until you have that companion with whom you're gonna spend the rest of your life. And that's actually not anything you'll find in God's word. That's actually bad advice that life begins when you get married and that completeness is somehow tied to companionship. That's actually not true. That's actually not consistent with the, the word of God. Actually, that comes from the deceitfulness of our hearts that are always pointing us forward to the next stage or season of life. If you're here today and you're 
one of our high school students, you think, man, when I get to college, man, things are gonna be so much better and so much easier. And then you get to college and, and it'll be cool for a while, but then you'll get into the grind of college and you'll begin to think, man, you know what? Life begins when you get married. Man, when I, when, when, when I can be with my boyfriend or girlfriend as, as, as a married couple so that we don't have to leave each other at night. And we can just be in the same place together and then you'll get married and that's gonna be really cool for a while. And then, and then you're, gonna, you're, you're, you're gonna be looking for a, a, a career and, and, and wanting to get that dream job. And then you're gonna wanna have kids and you have kids and then you're gonna be exhausted. You're like, oh man, I can't wait till my kid's a little bit older. And then your kids will get a little bit older. You'll be thinking about, oh man, you know, it'd be so nice when we get more established in our careers and our kids get a little older. We're not so tired. And then you get into that stage, it's called teenagers. And, and then you're like, oh, I cannot wait to be an empty nester. I am going to have so much money when my kids are out of the house. And then you get into that empty nester stage and you look back and you're like, oh man, I can't wait to be a grandparent. And then you become a grandparent and you're like, oh man, I don't have much time left. And you actually start looking backward like, oh man, I wish I could go back and reduce some stuff. I wish I could go back knowing what I know now. You see, our, our hearts are always leading us towards something that's next in the next stage, in the next season, with the next opportunity, the next job. And, and we're always aimed toward what's next. And when we get to what's next, then we'll be happy, then we'll be content, then we'll be fulfilled, then we'll have enough. It's always about what's next. And that's a really, really, really difficult place to be. But yet somehow many of us find ourselves there. When you're young, you're single, you're in college, you're a young professional, think, man, life begins when you get married. Completeness comes with companionship. But what we often miss is that no, there's no biblical teaching that you have to have someone in your life to be complete. There's no biblical teaching that, you know, it's about the next stage that will bring true contentment and fulfillment. No, listen, God will meet you where you are today. And I'm gonna give you an axiom that I think is a good piece of advice to counter this bad piece of advice. I'm gonna take you to a, to, to a passage in the Bible that's very, very foundational. I hope it'll be a blessing and encouragement to all of us who are tuning in today. Let me, let me give you a piece of good advice and I'll show you where it comes from in the scriptures. Here it is. I will be content. Let me make this personal, all right? I will be content with my stage and season of life because where I am, God is with me. This is a good piece of advice. This is a good statement to make. This is a good anchor for your soul. Wherever you are in life this morning, I will be content with my stage and season of life because where I am, God is with me. You're, you're a student, you're headed into college, you're embarking on a career, you're a young professional, you're looking to get married, you're newly married, you have young children, you have old children, you have grandchildren. I will be content with my current stage and season of life because wherever I am today, whatever stage or season, whatever the circumstance, I know that God is with me. I know that God is for me. You see, we can't always be looking to the next thing, the best thing. We can't always be looking to the next person, the next job, the next opportunity because, because here's the thing, it's, it's God's, purpose for you to be content in him today, fulfilled in him 
today. And, and if you have a copy of God's word with you, I, I, I'll invite you to turn with me to the, to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 7. All right, 1 Corinthians 7. And, and if you're visiting with us today and you don't have a copy of God's word, no problem. I'll have some verses on the screen. But I, I, I want to introduce you to a guy by the name of Paul who, who knew something about what it was like to operate in various stages and seasons. This guy uh, knew what it was like to have everything. He had wealth, he had privilege, he had education, which was quite rare in his day and time. He had influence and then he lost it all. And he kind of had to start over after God got a hold of his life. And then he began to be a leader in the church. And so he went through stages and seasons where he had very little of, of, of the world's possessions. He had a lot of hardship and a lot of trouble. He endured a lot of suffering, a lot of persecution. So Paul's a guy literally who's been up and down his whole life. He's been through various stages and seasons and, and, and he was writing to a, a group of believers in the city of Corinth, which was a very influential city. And as he's writing there, he, he kind of starts with some, some instruction based on where they were, but then he, he also enters a section, that's where we're gonna pick it up today, where he begins to answer some questions. And one of their questions relates to sexuality. They, they, they want to know, is it permissible for a man and a woman to, to be intimate together? Because there was a false teaching that, you know, when you come to Jesus, somehow there needs to be a diminishing of your desires. And, and so Paul's going to respond to that and say, no, 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 no. There's, there's no need to abstain from sexual relationships in the context of marriage. There's nothing wrong with those God-given desires as long as they're met within the parameters of God's design. And so he's going to answer some of these questions. And as he does, he's going to highlight what it looks like to be truly content in every stage and season of life. And he's going to help us to understand that no matter where you are today, God is with you and he has a great plan and a great purpose for you. Let me, let me kind of read a few verses. We're going to read one and two, then I'm going to go to seven and nine, then I'm going to go to 17, then I'm going to go to 35. You guys get all that? All right, so let me, this is a long chapter in the interest of time. Let me, let me hit some of the high points here that summarize Paul's concern. Let's begin in verses one and two. I'll have these on the screen here. Now, regarding the question that you asked in your letter, yes, it is good to abstain from sexual relations, but because there's so much sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. All right, let me just pause there. He's saying, again, in answer to your question, there's, there, there's nothing wrong with the intimacy that God's put in the context of marriage. And so, and so there's no, no issue with that. And if a man and a woman unite together in marriage, that's a good thing. That is consistent with God's design. That's a wonderful thing. But I want you to see next, Paul goes on to say, listen carefully, that's not the only thing. Life doesn't begin when you get married. You're not necessarily more complete because you have that level of companionship in your life. No, it's okay if you don't, because look at what he says next here. He says, but I wish everyone were single just as I am. And yet each person has a special gift from God of one kind or another. And so I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it's better to stay unmarried just as I am, but if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry for it's better to marry than to burn with lust. And each of you should continue to live in whatever situation the Lord has placed you and remain as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. I'm saying this for your benefit not to place restrictions on you, 
I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. In other words, Paul's saying, whatever stage and season of life you are currently in, don't find yourself longing for the next one. Don't deceive yourself thinking, no, the next stage, the next season will be better. I'll be happier. I will be more fulfilled. I'll be more content. No, he's saying wherever God has met you in whatever stage or season, wherever you are right now, be content because where you are, God is there with you. And he says there at the end, I love this. He says, just do whatever you need to do to best serve the Lord with as few distractions as possible. See, Paul's adamant that we glorify God in our current season, in our current circumstances, no matter where we'll be in the days to come. And this is such a helpful word. And so let me give you just a a few practical takeaways, I, I think, from this teaching that counters the bad advice that we often get in our society. First of all, let me, let me just remind you this, and this may be new to those of you who are students with us or you're a young professional. Listen, every stage of life has built-in advantages. Every stage of life has built-in advantages. And Paul highlights some of the advantages of different stages of life. For those of you who are single and you're not married currently, listen, you have more opportunities to serve God with fewer distractions than those who are married and have children. That's a blessing, that's an opportunity. That's a built-in advantage to singleness. For those of you who are married, you have more safeguards for purity, you, you have the blessing of family, but you also have more pressures and more demands. There are built-in advantages for that stage and that season. For those of you who are empty nesters, you have some built-in advantages to that stage and that season. For those of you who are in, in a stage of life where you're now a grandparent and you're helping to shape the culture of the next generation, there are some built-in advantages there. In every stage and season, there are some built-in advantages. Paul's concern is that we maximize those advantages in our current stage or current season, no matter where that is. Listen, let me... Let me just illustrate it with, with those of you maybe who, who are just longing to get married, right? Or you're, you're longing to have kids. Maybe you're, 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 you're looking toward marriage and you, you've bought into the lie that companionship brings completeness. Or maybe you're a newly married couple with us today and you're like, oh man, I can't wait to have kids when I have kids. And man, will family be complete and I'll, we'll be so blessed. L- l- listen, let me... Let, let, let me just tell you, having, having been through a season of life with young children, let, let, let me just speak to the advantage of not getting there yet. Because here's how y'all began your day today. Well, first of all, you got to stay up last night as long as you wanted to stay up. Alarm went off today. You may have been a little tired, but I mean, you got some number of hours of uninterrupted sleep. You got up this morning, here's how you came to church today. You got up, you went to the Keurig and got your coffee, put in your creamer, you got ready. Those of you who are married, you talk to your spouse, how are you, babe? Oh, I'm doing great, how are you? Oh, I'm doing wonderful today. It's another beautiful day in paradise. Boy, it sure is. Can I get you a little refill on that? Oh, that'd be great, sweetheart, thank you so much. And then you went in, you got dressed, you got in your car and you drove to church and you, you came and parked and you got here early and you got more coffee and you saw all these other people you got to connect with and say hi to. And you're just, you're almost floating into the worship center. 
Now, let me tell you how those who have young kids came to church today. Now, first of all, they went to bed tired last night because one of their kids kept getting up out of bed and they kept saying, get in bed, stay in bed. And I said, I don't wanna stay in bed. No, it's bedtime, you gotta go to bed. And then it woke the other one up. So they didn't even get to sleep till midnight. And then they got up early and they went to get the kids up and one kid wet the bed and the other one peed through their diaper. And so now they're scrambling because it's like 8.45 and church starts at 9.30. And so they're running and then, and then they, they, they're just doing what they can to get ready and the coffee's in the to-go cup because you don't get to sit and enjoy it at home. All right, and so then they're trying to get the kids ready. All right, get your shoes on. All right, no, 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 I said, get your shoes on. All right, come on, you got the diaper bag, good. Got the diaper bag, all right, let's go. All right, come on, everybody in the car. Everybody in the car. Come on, Johnny, let's go. No, 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 buddy, no, no, no. I said, get your shoes on. All right, where's your sister? Can you come over here? And then you get everybody in the car and you head out and you're five minutes down the road and your wife says, oh honey, I'm so sorry, I forgot the diaper bag. <laughs> and then you turn around and you get the diaper bag and you come back and now you're going 100 miles an hour. And, and your wife says to you, honey, you should slow down. And then the husband says, let me tell you something, if you think you're so great at doing this, how about next week, I just go to church by myself and you take the kids. And then the kids start crying because mom and dad are arguing. Why are you crying? Ah, daddy's so mean to mommy. All right, and then you go in and then, you come in on two wheels and you get out. And then you come in the church like, oh, man. And you see all these single people. And you're just, oh. and there's people and they got their coffee. Good morning. Yeah, I'll tell you good morning. You can't even get there and you come in, you walk in here and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. My kids are in a whole nother building? I'm already 10 minutes late. And then you go and then you come in, you sit down and you're like, Oh man, and you, you're sitting in service and you say, hey, sweetheart, I got a great idea. See these security tags? Just leave them, let's go. <laughs> Somebody will pick the kids up. This is our chance. This is our shot, let's get out of here, right? And those of you who are single and you haven't married yet or you're newly married, you don't have kids yet, and you look into the future like, oh, I just can't wait. Oh, these beautiful families that came and prayed at the front today. Oh, no, 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 we all wanna be you. <laughs> oh, how we wanna be you. I have four teenagers and two sons and two weddings and I had a friend tell me years ago, I'm like, man, I don't know how we're going to do college. He said, hey, man, come here. Let me give you a little piece of advice. He says, you ain't got to worry about college. You got to worry about the weddings. <laughs> so I just told my girls, you can invite four people to your wedding. That's what you got, four people. That's it, right? No matter where you are today in life, there's a next stage. And you might be sitting there thinking, oh man, when I get to that stage, then I'll be happy, then I'll be more fulfilled, I'll be more content, I'll have more money, I'll have more companionship, whatever it is. And I'm just telling you, listen, it's the deceitfulness of your heart to lead you away from godly contentment, to always think that what's next is better. 
And, and just listen to the wisdom of God through the apostle Paul who says, no, 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 wherever you are right now, maximize your opportunities to serve King Jesus. Because wherever you are right now, whatever stage, whatever season, God is with you. And there are built in advantages to every season you're in. And so quit longing for the next stage and the next opportunity. You'll get there soon enough, I promise you. And leverage the advantages that you have right now. Man, those of us in my life stage, you've got teenagers, maybe you know what? You've got more opportunities to connect with more families to influence them for Jesus than at any other stage in your life. Man, those of you who are coming through and you're an empty nester now, you have more resources, more opportunities, more wisdom. And, and man, you can leverage so much for the cause of Christ. In every stage, in every season of life, there are built-in advantages. Listen, Paul's encouragement is, let me say it again, to do whatever you need to do to serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. So secondly, listen, just make a note of this. Let me give you a second takeaway then. Your holiness is more important than your happiness. We can be content with where we are, whatever stage and season of life, because wherever we are, God is with us right here, right now. God is with us in this stage and this season. And, and that season that we're in, whatever that is, it has built-in advantages. And then here's the thing, in, in those advantages, God's gonna move you continuously toward holiness. And may I just say this, this is gonna sound crazy, but it's true, your holiness is more important than your happiness. And as Paul, if you, if you take time this afternoon and you go back and you read the entirety of 1 Corinthians 7, you're gonna see Paul talking to different groups of people and the, and the focus is largely the same. Wherever you are in life, honor God. And we are a society that's consumed with being happy. We, we think happiness is like the, the ultimate thing, but we're so misguided at times on what brings true happiness and true fulfillment. Let me say it this way, the temporal pleasures of this world will never satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. You're ultimately not made to be happy without first being holy. And if you're pursuing happiness today apart from holiness, then you will never find the happiness you seek because you're not made to be happy apart from God in your life. What is holiness? Very simply, holiness is reflecting the nature and the character of God. You see, the more you grow into the likeness of God, that's holiness, the happier you will be. Let, let me show you here what, what Paul says in verses 29 to 31. This is also here in 1 Corinthians 7. Look at this. He says, let me say this to your brothers and sisters. The time that remains is very short. I love this. And so from now on, those with wives should not focus only on their marriage. Those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them for this world as we know it will soon pass away. Let me tell you what Paul's saying there. He, he's saying, listen, you're, you're a married individual today. That's great. He's already said, hey, that's great. If you're in that stage, that season of life, that's great. Honor God in that stage of that season. You're a single person today. You're a widow today or a widower today. Hey, God's with you. Hey, you're buying and selling, great. Sometimes you're weeping or rejoicing, great. What, what he's saying is, listen, don't think that those things are all there is to life. 
If you're just engaged in your marriage, thinking that your marriage is gonna bring ultimate fulfillment and contentment, you're misguided. If you think that, that life's just all about, you know, ups and downs of weeping and rejoicing, you're wrong. There's way more to life than that. If you think life is about buying and selling and working and building up your portfolio and providing for your kids and your grandkids on your way out, no, no there's way more to life than that. He's saying this world is very, very, very temporal. This life is very short. So, so what he says here is he, sa he says this world as we know it will soon pass away. And so don't become attached to these things. Don't think that your marriage is the key to your fulfillment or your contentment. Don't think that your buying and selling is the key to your fulfillment and your contentment. Don't think that, 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 that yeah, your stage and season of life is key. No, no, no. What he's saying is you have to find your joy, your peace, your contentment, your fulfillment in God and in God alone. Because when this world passes away, God will not. And one day, every single one of us are going to kneel before him. And if our marriages are leveraged to bring glory to him and to draw us more into his likeness, then we won't be disappointed. If our buying and selling our work, our career, if it's leveraged to bring honor and glory to him, then when we see him face to face, we won't be discouraged. What, what Paul's saying here is, hey, whatever stage or season you're in, honor God, glorify God, worship God, serve God, and grow in your likeness of him because there is no true happiness without holiness. The Westminster Shorter Catechism says it this way, I love it. Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's why we were made. To glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so the more you grow into God's likeness, the happier you will be. And then finally, just make a note of this, just, just kind of tie it all together this morning. Life doesn't begin when you get married. Listen to me, life begins when you meet Jesus. Because contentment isn't found in a season, but in a shepherd. Contentment's found in a shepherd. So I can say I will be content with my current stage and my current season of life because where I am, God is with me. Every stage has built-in advantages. The key to happiness is holiness and growing into the likeness of God. And to find that true joy and peace and fulfillment, I find it not in a season, but in a shepherd. 1 Corinthians 7.35, here's what Paul says. Let me just remind you of this. He says, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Because here's the thing, you and I are made for companionship. We are made with the capacity to know others deeply. And you know ultimately why we're made that way? Because God's made us to know him, to love him, to treasure him. You and I are made for companionship, but whether you're single or married today, the ultimate companionship for which we're made is to know God personally through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. And I wanna take you back to a well-known verse of scripture that I think we often neglect, frankly. It's just Psalm 23, the first verse. Do you remember that? The Lord is my shepherd. And I, I, love, I love this translation. I have all that I need. 
When I first memorized that, I, I memorized it in the King James. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Can we just park there for a second? We read right past that. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You ever give thought to how many things you want? The new outfit, the new fishing rod, the new home, the new car, the new job, the nice meal. You ever, you ever give consideration to how much your mind is consumed with what you want? We are a people in the history of the world who are among the most blessed we have more than we need, but yet our minds are continually drawn to what we want. Do you see the irony of that? And what does Psalm 23 say? Don't miss this. The Lord is my shepherd. Therefore I shall not want. I don't have to have anything else. My mind's not racing for something else. I don't have to chase something else, another stage, another season, another, another blessing, another opportunity. No, the Lord is my shepherd and I therefore have all I need. The Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall not want. That's what Paul is talking about. In whatever stage or season you're in today, know that God meets you where you are. He is with you where you are. And he sent his son Jesus to die for your sin, to, to, to be your ransom, your salvation. And if you'll look to him today and you'll ask him to forgive you, to save you, if you'll ask him to restore you, he will. He will give you new life so that you can say today, yes, God, through Jesus Christ, his son is my shepherd and therefore I do not want. Maybe you're a Christ follower already, but you bought into the lie that you gotta have somebody or be somebody, or you gotta get to the next stage of the next season. Today, the Lord's speaking to your heart loud and clear. No, I am with you right now. I am with you in this season. I am with you in this circumstance. And maybe today, afresh and new, you need to declare by the power of his spirit, Jesus, you are my shepherd, and therefore I shall not want, because you are all that I need. I can be content in every stage and season of life because the Lord is with me to meet me where I am, to shepherd me where I need to be. And as long as Jesus is with me, I can truly say, I have no other wants. I'm gonna ask you if you would just to bow your heads with me as I lead us in prayer today. And I, I, I wanna encourage you to not let this moment pass of declaring right now in your own heart, in your own life, yes, Jesus is all I need. 